Alabama coach. What, what, what? It'd be Dan Marino, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor in that exact order. What an opportunity to play, and the Jets have given me an opportunity to play. I'd put a Lindell Maury up there before Ryan I like Ricky Williams. Just before Dolphins training camp this past July, he turned his back on all of it and ruined the Dolphins' entire season. No question about it, I am ready to get hurt again. Hurt on our show? Not today, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dolphin fans of all ages, the Batter Fin Fan Show is back. And look who's back. Who Look who's back after the Miami Dolphins. At least. 70. 70. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Batter Fan. Mr. Batter Fan CEO himself. Danny, how the hell are we doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Kind of entertaining on Sunday. Just a tad bit. A little bit, little bit. A little I know bit. that you were. I know you were having family time on Sunday. That's why you didn't join me for the post game reaction. I know, I, did what, man, I couldn't believe I was missing that. That that it would have been such a fun episode. So I I need to hear real quick before we bring in our our amazing guest. When you finally saw it, because obviously one thing is looking at the score, right? And then there's going before, back looking and at the watching, score is just ridiculous. But yeah, right. And when you went back and actually watched the game, what was just your your reaction to what what was going on in front of you? I guess we're probably going to touch on it a little bit during this episode, but yeah. the fact that you ran for over 300 yards is ridiculous. I've been killing the Dolphins for over a year. Run the goddamn rock. And it, the best thing is that against the Patriots, up the gut. Against the, uh, I just, I, they, look, Denver they Broncos. played so bad. The Broncos, they just randomly slipped my mind. Running to the outside. Like, how are you going to stop this offense? It's ridiculous what's going on right now, and it's exciting. And but obviously, big test coming up, and we'll talk about that. Huge test, huge second, test. But, yeah. but nonetheless, nonetheless, you know me. I love me some guests. I love me some guests that are big Dolphin fans. And this guy, as big as they get, he writes for the Miami Dolphins. Well, you know, he writes for USA Today about said Miami Dolphins. He is. Uh, oh my God, I want to make sure I get this right. I, I don't want to mess this up already. He is he is the co-founder or the founder of Dolphins Weekly. He's been with the Big O. He's been with I, I don't know, Jason. Has there been anybody you haven't done a podcast with? Because you're you're pretty much big time everywhere, good sir. Well, first and foremost, I love you guys. I appreciate you. I saw you, Manny, this weekend. It was a pleasure. Thank you for the awesome yeah. introduction. Um, yeah. I just love talking Miami Dolphins football. And as an out-of-towner, mm-hmm. sometimes I just dive in to these to these situations all in because i grew up for so many years kind of on my own island you know Mm -hmm. so when i get to be with you all when i get to be with community even when it's virtually on twitter it's like you know what it's taken me like 35 years to do this in my life you know so it's, it's really a joy and a pleasure so thank you so much for that no first of all it's my pleasure to have you here because the one thing that I enjoy about doing this whole podcasting, um, even back when we started last season, is the the thing that I find the most joy in is when you find somebody who's as passionate about your team as you very well are, as the biggies of the world, Dolph Freaky, Ashley 305 Sportsfade, the list goes on and on. Um, Ghost of Adam Gase, um, Dougie Durung that we just recently had. It's amazing when you hear the fandom come from all these other people that you have on the show. So that's why when I reach out to you, I don't reach out to you just because you're big time. I reach out to you because the passion that you have for this Miami Dolphins team is very evident if they just follow you, if they just read your articles when you post them. So it's always awesome to have somebody's insight like yours on this show because it only makes this show that much better. So first and foremost, let's start from where your fandom started. Where did your, your the fandom for the Miami Dolphins start? And how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Now you're basically riding for these Miami Dolphins. Well, I very much appreciate everything. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm a New Yorker. So, you know, I grew up 
not necessarily learning from my dad or my mom about the Giants or the Jets. You know, I was from Queens. So like, you know, right outside of New York City. And then early on in my life, we moved out and around nine years old to Long Island. And I was more like soccer, baseball, tennis in that world, as opposed to like football, right? So when you move out to Long Island, uh, life changes a little bit, right? And all of a sudden you're going to school and there's football jerseys on these kids all over the place, right? And I don't even know what football is, but I get into a crew of friends that played football in the park and loved it. And one day it was like October and it was one of the first birthday parties that I got invited to, like a, like a nine-year-old, a ninth birthday party from like a new kid in town getting invited to a crew. It was a football party, meaning wear your jersey. We're going to split sides. We're going to play football all day. Right, I am, right. pardon my French, guys. I'm crapping my pants. I don't even know what line of scrimmage means. I don't know what first down is. I have no clue. So this is 1990. So I go to my Encyclopedia Britannica, my literal Ooh, books. there you go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They don't know yeah, about you know. that. So we I'm just, we just showed our age. We just I, showed our age, by the way, side. all three of us. All three of my us. My father-in-law like, oh my used God, to go house to house selling those. Yeah. You know what? That was a good – if you if you were good on that, he did well, I'm sure, right? And right. You were good with right. that because there was no internet back then. I couldn't go to Google and look at football. I couldn't get that five-second education. So I go to the F section. I look at football. Right. And I'm learning scrimmage first down. Cool. And then it goes to the positions and I'm like, all right, what does quarterback mean? True story. I go to the Q section. Right. And there was a picture from the 1985 year, 84 season Super Bowl with two quarterbacks. Mm. One of them was Joe Montana. One mm. of them was Danny Marino. Now something light bulb went off my head. Ooh, that's a, that's a sharp Jersey. Hey mom, is that Jersey? <laughs> I had a mesh aqua ish. Jersey number 13 from like a department store from Broward County from like an aunt. Nice. Wow. Just randomly. I got my jersey. I know what a first down was. I'm a tall guy. I'm going to be a wide receiver. I'm going to catch the ball. So I knew what I was doing. I was decked in my aqua. I knew what I was doing. Did I get a target or a reception? No, I I was having fun. I knew (laughs) I was having fun. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Football game is pretty cool. And the first game I saw, if I remember correctly, was against the New York Jets. And a game-winning touchdown happened. I think it was Mark Duper or something like that. But Marino was slinging and the Dolphins were playing. And it was a home game. And I was like, I can get used to this. And as a right. 10-year-old, 10-year-old at the time of doing that, like, I, I, I didn't know what the rivalries were. And I didn't know that living in Long Island, mm. I was set myself You're supposed up. supposed to be a Jets fan? Yeah, we're giant fan. Yeah, of course. You know, you had a you something New York, what, something New York. You did what your right. parents did. You basically did what your parents did, or or you did what, what your buddies were doing, or or you went with the crew. You had a Steelers fan. You had a Niners fan. Yeah, you had those Cowboy fan. But uh, I went my own way in my age bracket. Two years up, two years down. I was a Dolphin fan. It it, it was it. what it was. It was what it was. That and has then I went to, to school Danny. in Buffalo, guys. And then I chose oh. to go to school in Buffalo for college. Oh. oh, amazing. By far, that has to be one of the best stories so far that we've heard from how somebody became a Dolphins fan. That, I think that's I think but, that's number one up there on the list. He's living in Jets world and then goes to school in Buffalo for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, let me tell you. Any time in Boston at all. No, no. I've learned my lesson. If my, wife says we got, if my wife says I got transferred to Boston, we're moving up there, I'm like, I can't make the trifecta here. I can't do it myself. I can't. No. no. Let's just look for another job. 
So, so tell us a little bit, because I know one of the most things that I find interesting is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you just recently interviewed Dan Marino. So this is that was a gift. That was an absolute gift. Uh, I, I'm, you met, I, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. I do write. I'm luckily enough. I, I have a nice little fun gig writing for Dolphins Wire, which is part of USA yep. Today's Wire brand across the different teams around the league. And a credit to Mike Masala. Mike Masala is my editor. Uh, he is actually, you know, a New York, uh, a New England Patriot fan, but he is a terrific writer and editor, and he does Dolphins Wire. Uh, there was no reason to believe that he couldn't have just said, you know, what, I'm going to do this cooler. He got that opportunity, but he, he he gave that to me as a Dolphin fan. He literally said, this is yours. Awesome. So a credit to Mike himself. Thank you, Mike. Uh, best football interaction of my life. And uh, credit, credit, credit to Mike and the Dolphins wire. Thank you all. That's awesome. Really that, cool. that must have, that, that must have been an amazing thing. Like for me meeting, um, when they did the member spotlight this week and Danny, which you obviously missed that as well. Um, that, that, that was pretty dope, but meeting Dan Marino 10 years old, wouldn't be the same for me if I met Zach Thomas right now, like Zach Thomas was, I was a five eleven, five ten guy in high school. I was trying to, my two fifty obviously looked nothing like Zach Thomas's two fifty. obviously when he was at his, at his football weight, but that's my guy. Like, that's who I want to meet. Like I, I, I don't fanboy over a lot of people, but I would definitely fanboy. So I could just imagine you meeting Dan Marino. You have, you basically have his Jersey right behind you right now. That must've been the uh, head explosion for you when you did that. Was that the first time you met him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, truth. Okay. Let me back up there. That is, I will go with the official time. Yes. That is the first time I interacted two dimensionally. With Dan Marino, a uh, real, real, real quick, and I know I'm long-winded sometimes, but no, no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I had a nanosecond interaction with him and said hello in Buffalo, where I went to college. Part of what I did in school is I tried to get a hold of every sports internship that I could. I worked for the the sports information department in Buffalo when the school's football team was the worst in the country. They were literally the dead last. But uh, I got a lot of inroads there, met a lot of people, and just enjoyed the football aspect of media and inside stuff. So my uh, sports information director one summer got a hold of me at where I was working that particular summer and said, hey, look, you know, Dan Marino and Jim Kelly are doing a charity football game at our stadium. You know, it's a flag mm. football game, a bunch of ex-Dolphins. It's for Hunter's Hope. You know, Jim Kelly had a son who passed away. I had a horrible, you know, uh, yeah. Condition, but the, Marino and Kelly were our, our best friends, and they always would help each other. They called it the last rival or the last dance or the last battle. I forget, but my sports information director called me. I was working at a sleepaway camp not that far in upstate New York from Buffalo. So he said, Why don't you come on over? I'll put you as a sideline reporter. Can't promise you anything. Maybe you'll meet Dan, some of the other guys. I literally stood on the sideline with a fake walkie talkie almost. I did nothing. He gave me the opportunity. I, I Dan was walking right in my grill. And he was like playing, but not playing, like just whatever, you know, yeah, playing right, a little flight. Right. And I just said, hi, Mr. Marino. And he just nodded. But that was the extent. That was the, that was the interaction. That I was the extent count. of the interaction. Nah, that's more than enough. Right. That's more. That, that is, listen, that is more enough. But interviewing the guys definitely takes the cake for it. But nonetheless, Jason, let's start talking about the Buffalo Bills. Because that's, listen, 70 points is great. 70 points is amazing. We're up in the record books now. But it's not going to mean a damn thing if we go into Orchard Park this weekend and don't come out of here with a victory or at least play very, very competitively against these Buffalo Bills. So let's start with the first topic of the day here. We are 3-0. We were 3-0 last year. 
this is basically almost the same exact team. So I'll go to you, Jason, first. Who do you credit more about this 3-0 start? Is it Tua? Is it McDaniel? Is it Mostert? To you, what is who, who gets the most credit for this 3-0 start? It's a great question. And when I left today when Butch Barry was wearing a shirt, offensive line coach, it basically meant that they're a team. It's not about a person. It's about the team. So I can't answer that with an individual. If we're going to play of off just that, let's play off that. Let's say that it's a mixture of confidence in your quarterback, health around him. Because, you know, what? we're seeing health come together, but we're also seeing not a complete team. You know, we have right. not seen a game played in this 3-0 stretch mm-hmm. with – the full group, of course, because we have guys like Nick Needham and Jalen Ramsey, but with the guys that you're expecting immediately, Teron Armstead, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle have not been on the field the same game, all three of them, through this 3 and yeah. stretch. So people are getting up and picking themselves up. You know, Kendall Lamb is a player who you have to credit mm. immediately, who just stepped up when Teron was out. Austin Jackson came in from being a, we're going to use the B word, a bust. The biggest physical transformation I saw with my physical eyes, other than Van Ginkle bulking up to like lean muscle man, Van Ginkle was a long guy with like muscle, right? He was like, yeah, had some, you know, build to him, but he got like cut. And Austin Jackson was that on the offensive side, an extreme difference. And you're seeing it on the field. And Austin Jackson is creating half, like he's playing Mm -hmm. extremely well. And Tua, what he's doing is showing what coaching confidence, team confidence, and saying, listen, this is our guy. We're going to jump on his back, and he's going to take us there. And he's doing it, making it look easy. But that's just a testament to how good he actually is. I agree. I agree 100%. And Danny knows this. Um, I picked Austin Jackson as going to be as my comeback sleeper. player. Yeah, like I, I picked him as my sleeper this year, and he showed out week one. Like facing Joey Bosa, facing Khalil Mack, this guy did not give up a sack that first week. But Danny, the question now goes to you, sir. Who would you give the most credit for this 3 0 start for this season? Because this 3 0 team is definitely not the same as the 3 0 team from last year. Like we barely skates by some of those wins last year. This year, it looks like a whole level of dominance. Uh, I would say Mike McDaniel. I, um, I, the offensive line, right? Because they've only given up one sack all year. But I yeah. think a lot of that has to do with Mike McDaniel. The fact that He's making sure that Tua gets the ball out quickly. You're not seeing a lot of play action, right? He's not turning his back to the defense very often. The fact that they're running the ball so much more often. Like, when did they run the ball last year? This year, they're constantly running the ball up the yep. middle. The toss plays to the outside with their speed. Like, pick your poison. I think that Mike McDaniel's done a great job. Like, who if, if I were to tell you that the Dolphins were going to put up 70 points in a game this year, I promise you, you would not have chosen the game that Jalen Waddle doesn't play. Like Mike McDaniel Very true. has has a hundred percent. I I don't even know how to put it into words what he's done this year. And I mean I'm a believer because I had my doubts about Mike McDaniel. I always thought that he didn't have the personality. Like if things go bad, I don't know if he can keep that locker room together because I don't know if he has that personality. He seems like such a like a like a you know happy go lucky kind of guy. Laid back kind of guy. Right. Like, kind of guy. Right. I, I don't know if I see him as like somebody that has to like you know rip into somebody if things are going poorly. But things are not going poorly and and offensively, this this looks like a well-oiled machine. But I do think that the offensive line looks good and credit to them because I think they are playing well. But I think Mike McDaniel and the play calling has a lot to do with it also. I agree 100%. I agree with both of your, both of your points. But if I just had to pick one unit or one person, I would have to go offensive line. The fact that Isaiah Wynn 
everybody in New England was making fun of was like, oh, yeah, good luck with Isaiah Wynn, even though they were technically using him out of place. Now he's playing his natural position at guard. Dude hasn't given up a sack. This Kendall Lamb, like you said, stepping in for Teron Armstead. Granted, when Teron Armstead is in there, it looks like a whole different type of thing because he's manhandling everybody that he goes one up. One now up you got one your swing again. tackle, though. Right. So the fact that now we know in case, in case Armstead can't play another game, it is amazing that Kendall Lamb fills that role. And then obviously my sleeper, Austin Jackson, like Jason said, this guy it built his body up kind of like how Bikai Becton did just on the opposite strand that he's playing the role so well on that right tackle side. He's not like and something we discussed at the beginning of the season. It's such an important role because it is to us blindside. No matter if he, now he's throwing no look passes with his right hand at the end of the day, it is his blind side that, that, that is two of that Austin Jackson's protecting. So for me, it would be definitely be the offensive line, but nonetheless, nonetheless, sir, going to Mike McDaniel, this Offense is basically ranked number one in almost every single major uh, major offensive category. So, Danny, I'll go to you first. Because one of the things that you talked about coming into the season is you wanted to see him run the ball more. We, we, we're running the ball. We're running the ball very effective. We're one of the lead leaders in passing and rushing. So what else could you possibly want to see from this offense? You and I both were yelling. Stop and playing if, Madden. If, 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 by the way, last week was Madden. Madden. Last week yes. was Madden, by the way. Yes, last that was a Madden if score. I, if, you, if you put that on all Madden, I don't think I could put up 70. No, but, no. <laughs> but we've been, we were yelling for months on here. Yeah. You don't need another running back. Now, granted, we were saying that because we said you need to help the offensive line. Correct. So, you know, we were wrong about that, I guess, technically. But Ho we, said we, did, we, we don't need – they were doing well last year. That game in Buffalo last year – not, not the playoff game, the regular season game, they were running the ball really effectively in the first half. But mm -hmm. then Mike McDaniel was like, you know what? I kind of feel like playing Madden, pulled out the sticks, and then just stopped running the ball. But we said every time they run the ball, they do it effectively. And the only thing that still bothers me about Mike McDaniel is his love for going in on fourth down. Like, I understand I that it. last game. I love it. I love you know, it. On your own 35-yard line? I love it. You, I, Jason, we're, up, we're going to get to you in a second, Jason, but I love it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. They were up. 21 to 10 in their own 35 yard line, they didn't get the fourth down conversion. All of a sudden, that could be a that could be a game changer if they manage to go to 35 yards and all of a sudden cut it to 21 to 17. That changes the game. Like those are silly games to play. Like at that point, you're up 21 to 10. Just punt the ball, play it safe. Why go for that cute little uh, was it a fullback rush up the middle or something? I forgot yeah. what it was. Yeah. But I was like, why did he do that? Like, he does that way too often. And I criticized him last year for it also. Why do you, you go for it on fourth down so often? I don't get it. Like, but, no, Listen, you can't criticize too much. But that, that, that the, still chaps my ass. I was in the stands, and I had the same thought process you did. I love the fact that he did it because that just goes back to, the you know, him putting no, his nuts sacks in a wheelbarrow. Yeah, and just break. And, by the way, that shows him the faith that he has in a big Fangio-led defense and the fact that the players that he has on that defensive side of the ball, I think that's another merit to it, that he believes that that defense, if I do, do something stupid, the defense is going to back me up and get me out of it. And they did. They did. But, nonetheless, I get your point. So, Jason, back to you on the same topic. We li literally, again, this is not the same thing from last year. This is not the same 3-0 team because we are leading the league in almost every single offensive stat. To you, what's the biggest surprise? Because I don't know what to pick. Because like you said, even Jalen Waddle didn't play this week. 
And we dropped 70 points on the Denver Broncos that are coming into this game with the seventh ranked total defense. And I get it. That's only through two weeks. They didn't play any big name people. But when we know Denver in previous years, even through the horribleness that was Nathaniel Hackett, they were they were pretty stout on defense and they brought most of those defensive players back. So to you, what's been the biggest surprise from this number one ranked offense? So the question is a dynamite, and this one is almost like the toughest one for me to answer relatively quickly without saying, give me 10 minutes, because we're not, no, not that type you of could take 10 minutes. Not that type of you show. could take 10 minutes. But, but I guess I'm surprised with the offensive dominance. What I mean by okay. the dominance is Tua has been touched once. He's been touched once. And that's with Teron Armstead playing one game. So the, the shock mm -hmm. is the offensive line as a whole. So call it Butch Barrett. Okay, so let's call it the offensive line, the coaching, the continuity that he created in the mess of having three games where Tua is clean. The last time I saw a clean jersey like that was when I saw our guy Richmond Webb and Keith Sims got the blindsided dance. Facts. Facts. That's it. And Tim Ruddy, and Tim Ruddy at center. And Tim, Tim Ruddy, Ruddy at center. A staple at center. Ooh, exactly. The center position is that we could we could have a whole podcast on the center right. position, but Tim Ruddy is probably right. my like eleventh ranked overall favorite dolphin. Yeah, he was nasty. Yes, he nasty. was. And I'm a guy that has loved the passing attack. We all have, but right. if you give me a team that says I'm going to get you five yards every time we touch the ball, and if you have a problem with it, just, just stop us. And we saw that with Ricky. We saw it with the Wildcat. Yep. The older generation saw it with the perfect backfield. Here's a stat for you, folks. Four and up when Mike McDaniel rushes the ball with his Miami Dolphins 30-plus times mm. this year and last year. Last year it happened mm. twice. This year it happened twice. Four and zip when they rush the ball 30 or more times. They did it two times all the last year. They've already done it twice this year. And I think, I think the running backs are playing quite well. Uh, that, that goes without saying. And listen, there was a lot of people. I don't think we were any of those people. I don't think any of, uh, on this board said that, that we needed a Jonathan Taylor, that we needed a Dalvin Cook, that we needed to upgrade that running back room. Because Danny, again, as a Jet fan, he was like, Raheem Mostert is literally averaging five yards a carry for, for us last year. Jeff Wilson was basically averaging 4.8. And Jeff Wilson's coming back in two weeks. So, Jason, I don't know how we're going to do. Listen, I'm sure it's a problem that they're not complaining about. But Devon... Devon, Devon Achan, is, is that how you say Achan? I think that's how I'm you want to have it pronounced. I'm, I'm, going, yeah. I'm going Achan we'll until I'm going to say Achan until I'm literally corrected. Right, right. It's not so, Achan. It's, it's like Chain. Correct. He it's does like not. He, he fixed it. Right. He did not like Chain. It's Chan. <laughs> I think it's Achan. But Achan. It's, it's, a back, it's a backfield that even with Salvin Ahmed coming back. I mean, you talk about Jeff Wilson, Salvin Ahmed, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Moser. This backfield, it's like any of those guys can so again i think we we've talked enough about the offense let's talk about what we're about to handle this upcoming weekend now this defense jason we'll start with you it's currently not ranked where we thought it would rank under vic fangio but nonetheless he's still getting acclimated the players are still getting acclimated to this system and he's still getting acclimated to these players now we're facing Josh Allen. Week one, we did play, uh, play against Justin Herbert. And mind you, that offense put up 30-something points on us. We faced Mac Jones, and Mac Jones is definitely not the same caliber as a um, Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. They put up 
I, was it Danny? They put up 20 points on us? Who, the Broncos? No, the well, the Broncos definitely put up 20 points on us with Russell Wilson. The Chargers? I meant, uh, the Patriots. The, the Patriots. Oh, the Patriots? I don't remember. Well, that, while you look that up real game. quick, I, I know that we're, 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 we're not playing the way we should be playing on the defense side of the ball. So, Jason, this comes to you right now. Is this, defense, is, is this defense currently the way it's equipped right now and what you've seen over the last three weeks? Do you think they're ready for what's about to come on with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in this Buffalo Bills offense? I really hope. Mm. And do I have confidence in the hope? This year I do. Last year I wouldn't because Josh Boyer scared the bejesus out of me. And I was documented about that. I was, look, I mean, I am an aqua and orange colored glasses individual to a fault. I get that, but I'm also objective as much as I can be. Our defense last year was in shambles when they needed to make a stop. Third down. Fourth quarter, third down. Going into a second half into the locker room and not allowing a freaking touchdown because Austin Eckler on third and 17 got a dump off pass to the goal line and they were able to get four more points than they should have. We lost the game by how many points? Three, four. That was the difference. But it was the momentum going in to the locker room that you could have gotten a win in holding them to a field goal. But that particular game against the Chargers, I thought was the Waterloo of Josh Boyer's career and fired on yep. the spot without him being fired. That was it. Yep. Vic Fangio is not that. And mm. the first week against those Chargers with – it was a different kind of a game that he would have really expected. He had – do different packages and we won the game, but what he did was he sent timely blitzes Correct. and that's what he's going to do. He's going to send timely blitzes. He's not going to blitz like we've seen that before. It's almost like I'd rather efficiency blitz timely, get your QB hits, get your sacks, but in an efficient way. And I think that's yeah. what we're going to see. And we might see a wrinkle or two. We might see a new scheme but Javon Holland was playing amazing. Andrew Van Ginkle was playing yeah, amazing. Bradley Chubb is playing in Vic Fangio's scheme again. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Emmanuel Agba is all of a sudden saying, put me in, coach. I'll do something. He got what I like to call a triple single last week. He got a sack, yeah. a pass defended, a tackle for loss, and like 30% of the snaps. And interception. And an interception. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Week. That's what I meant. Right. Interception. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. So quadruple single, whatever it was. He got every stat on the board for a defensive lineman that's like a money stat he was amazing how do you feel about the cornerbacks though because i think Xavier howard is taking a step back and this year he hasn't looked great i, I listen i agree with you i think that 85 percent of Xavier howard is still better than like a lot of the league but he is yeah not for sure for sure but i think that he's a better right. two than a one yeah look i would have felt better with him if Jalen ramsey was still it was exactly you said it that was exactly yeah. where I was going. Because right now, imagine what we would have had defensively against a team like the Chargers if Jalen Ramsey was going week one. So right. immediately you had new scheme for the players, new players for the guy drawing the scheme. Oh, get nice. me a piece. Great. Jalen Ramsey's in. What happened? Ah. All right. Cam, are you ready? No, not just yet. All right. Cater, you're here. All right. Xavier, you know, Nick, are you ready? Definitely yet? Not, not Eli yet? Apple. All right. Oh. Yeah, but you know what Eli Apple was was an emergency break the glass outside guy who Fair. be opposite Fair. because yeah. Cater's very capable of playing any 
area. I love Cater, by the way. I love I Cater. Love like, Cater inside, I love outside. I love that guy. Any area. But yeah. you already, you're minus Jalen Ramsey. You're minus Nick mm-hmm. Needham, and I can't wait for Needham to come back with for sure. five or six, week five or six, because he's going to be all over the place. He's going to be like chess piece on, like, you know, Red Bull. I can't wait for that. I love Nick. And then you hopefully get you get Ramsey back. So we're playing with and not even Brandon Jones or Cam Smith at all in this equation at three and oh. So there are a lot of components that they're gonna build to this momentum that Fangio is figuring out. We haven't even seen a full team. That that's why the excitement Agreed. is such is so here, fellas. They're not even whole. Well, Danny, then I then I come to you with this because week one. Your New York Jets did play the Buffalo Bills, and they played well enough where, obviously, <laughs> Josh Allen, they were calling him Josh turned the ball over because he was just turning the ball over every single opportunity he got. I told you last year that I felt like the New York Jets basically laid down the, the blueprint of how to beat Josh Allen. You guys started the season by beating Josh Allen. Do you think this defense, from what you've seen over the past three weeks, is on the level capable of what you guys did week one to be able to dominate Josh Allen the way you guys did? The, you know how they score 70 points and you really can't criticize much from a game that you, you win by 50 points. 100%. There were two, two things that I, that I thought uh, I wasn't a fan of. One, the fourth down, which I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And two, the fact that they only got to Russell Wilson once. I, the the com- commanders... They got to him like seven or eight times. Like they completely yeah. annihilated. I thought that the Dolphins would really tee off on him, honestly. Now, if they maybe because they had such a big lead, they kind of took it easy. You know, Vic Fangio kind of just plays the zone and, and they weren't aggressive or whatnot. But I, I thought that the front four might get to him. Uh I, I don't I don't know what to think about this defense. I thought this defense would look a little better, but I mean Josh Allen. Everybody's making a big deal about how he he played. Was it last week that they beat the Bears? Like who doesn't beat the Bears? And then the week before that was the Raiders, was it? Well, so, they, no, no, they they beat up on the Commanders last week. The Commanders, That's there you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The Commanders, and then they they beat up on on the on the Raiders the week before that. So I, I don't think that they're ready for you guys as much as you know. I, I'm still not a believer in the Bills being where I thought they would. You be. You could be now. honest, brother. You could be honest because. The, the way I stated it is, obviously, you guys punched them in the mouth week one. Honestly, tell me, do you think this defense is on the same level where you could punch them in the mouth the way you guys did? From what I've seen so far, no. No, okay. I, I the, the fact that the Broncos looked like they were going to hang with you guys for the first two first quarter and a half because they were moving the ball. Now, obviously, you guys put the clamps down. I don't know if that was a, a momentum shift where they just felt deflated when you guys just kept going down the field and scoring, but... The Broncos were moving the ball at first, and then this kid Sutton fumble. All of a sudden, you turn that into seven. And yeah. third quarter, they're moving the ball again. He fumbles it again. So, like, Boom. they shot themselves in the foot so much that I think they might have, like, they just let their guard down, and then you guys took full advantage. So I, I get it. But um, no, no, man. I, I got I to see it. I got I to No, I get it. And listen, I, I, the reason that this show works the way it does is because – Again, we're as middle of the pack when it comes to the optimism of our team, and we're as fair as it comes when it comes to both of our teams. We're very honest about that. So that's why I asked the question the way I asked it. But nonetheless, yesterday, I I know that they just uploaded a new um, injury report today, Jason. Um, Yesterday, Waddle was back. Armstead was back. Connor Williams was back. That's a positive, obviously, going into this weekend. We're about to go ahead and and predict predict this game. So we'll start with you, Jason, as, as the guest of the show. 
with Waddle, Armstead, Williams back at full as full participant. Is this enough to pull up the upset this week? And it's time, buddy. It's time for better game time prediction. So start with you. Let me know what you think the prediction for this Sunday is going to be and what that final score is going to be. I think that if this defense comes to play ball, we know the offense is going to come to play. So I'm going to put 30 as the number. Let's call 32. Let's call 32. And if the defense comes to play and forces Josh Allen to make turnovers, he's thrown in his last 20 games. This is a stat. 19 interceptions in his last 20 games. That's an interception mm. a game. Mm. It's when are you going to make the interception? When are you going to do it? Are you going to do it to put the game on ice? Are you going to do it when it's on third down and you need to stop and you need to score after the stop? So that's what I'm saying. And I'm going to say that they're going to win because of that 38, 32 to 28. And it's mm. going to be when Josh Allen is going to try to drive to need a touchdown. Not a field goal. A touchdown. And someone's going to pick the ball off. And that's what we're going to know. And that's what we're going to know. Where we stand know. really as a team. Right. All right, Danny. And look, if we win 17 to 9, great. Don't care. Right. <laughs> If the Dolphins win on Sunday, I'm convinced that you guys are, are headed or well, obviously health, mm, mm. you know, be, being given. You guys have to be at least going to the AFC Championship. Like this team, if they can beat the Bills, I can't imagine a team can like, you know, you'll drop a game here and there just randomly because it's every given Sunday. But I feel like you guys are in prime position to possibly get a first round bye. And if not get a first round bye, you definitely win in the division. So... Because the Chiefs are really the only other team that seems to be up there, so I uh, I'm convinced. But back to Sunday's games uh, specifically, yeah, the Bills have only given up 35 points all year so far. But Against the Jets, Commanders, Zach Wilson, and... I, I forgot what the guy's name is in uh, Hublot. Sam Howell. Like, Sam Howell. Howell. There you go, Commander. Howell, yeah. and then uh, and, and then porn star Garoppolo. Like though, you really can't. So everybody's hyping up this 35 points in three games. Like, come on. Like, it's not that serious. You haven't play, played against an offense like this. With that said, I do think that the Bills, I think, I believe that they, they've blitzed the least in the league, but they still have, like, the second most sacks in the league somehow. Like, it's like a crazy stat that I saw for the Bills. So they are getting pressure. No matter who the QB is, they're getting to the QB. So I do think it's going to be a test for the offense. Because I don't believe quite yet in the Dolphins' defense, mm. and you're playing on the road, I'm gonna go Buffalo. If if it was in Miami, I'd feel a little better, especially Miami in September. You know how that goes for the Bills. But if if it was in Miami, I'd feel a little better about Miami winning. But I do think that with Buffalo, Xavier and Howard on Diggs, I just I don't know. I I again, the Dolphins' defense has to prove it to me. So I'm Give gonna me the go score. Buffalo. Uh, 24-21. Three-point game. Okay. So you, and you, Jason you still... Saunders will miss the game-tying field goal. Stop it. I hate that guy. Stop it. He made 10 extra points this past week, I all right? I hate sure. that guy. He made 10 extra points. But listen. That would, that? that would kill me. That would kill me. That, that, would, that would kill me. Dude, that would kill me he, as well. He misses crucial field goals all the time. It's just by coincidence. It doesn't cost you the game. That Chargers game, I'm sorry, that extra point, once he missed that, I was like, they lost, and it's because of him. And then he didn't, so nobody's talking about it. This guy right. is going to cost you a game. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here comes here comes my pick. Remember when we picked the in the preseason what I thought the record was going to be? 
I told you, I think we start the season 3-0, and our first loss would come in Buffalo. At no point in time did I think we would be rocking with an offense that's capable of going out there and putting up 70 points. If, if anybody's going to go out there and be like, yeah, I think this offense is capable of putting up 70 points, I don't believe you. But I knew we were going to be good. I knew that we were going to be dominant on the offense side of the ball. Then what I saw the Jets smack around Buffalo in week one, and obviously Josh Allen looked great against the Commanders. Big whoop. Great. I'm great. I'm happy that you look good against Commanders. So did Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson also looked good against the Commanders. So what does that really tell you? Nothing. Hail Mary but, and all. Yeah, Hail Mary and all. But when I ask myself, Danny, and I look, if the Jets were to make Josh Allen look subpar, and then I look at the talent that this defense is, this defense has, I ask my question, why not us? Why can't we go out there and put the type of uh, uh, football on film that you guys did week one? Why can't, we pre why can't we have the same thing? And then I look at this Dolphins offense that just comes out for putting 70 points, and I don't think we're going to put up 70 points this week. If we do, awesome, because I will be the most obnoxious Dolphin fan of all time <laughs> if, we, if we go up to Buffalo and put up 70 points. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't think that they've played anybody, like you said. They haven't played anybody at the caliber of this Dolphins offense. They don't have anybody to cover anybody to cover Tyreek Hill. They don't have anybody to cover Jalen Waddle. Nobody's been able to cover Tyreek Hill, sir. It, it, Jeff Saturday has to go on ESPN. It's like the only way you can stop him is by injuring him. He's saying stupid shit like that on ESPN. But go the ahead. Patriots I, I, did pretty decent with their with their three safeties over the top. They they did, but we still found a way to beat that. And of what course, I'm saying, and what I'm saying is they don't have Bill Belichick leading that defense. Mm-mm. When it comes down to it, Danny, it's hard for me to say now that I don't see a way that we could go 4-0 this week. I think there's too many positives going our way than going Buffalo's way. So for me, I agree with Jason. I think we're going to put up 30-plus. I see this game going 34-27. The only reason I'm giving Buffalo 27 points is because still Josh Allen at the end of the day, we still have had issues slowing down quarterbacks that use their legs. Until I see that they can stop it, I'm not willing to say that we're going to shut out Buffalo. So I'm going 34-27. Dolphins go into Buffalo and come away with the dub. That's a sexy pick. I have a question for both of you, just real quick before we wrap this up. Sure. <clears throat> if you guys beat the Bills, like you mm -hmm. guys both predicted, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't know who's going to beat you. Hypothetically, you go 12-0, 13-0. Are the 72 Dolphins still hoping that you guys don't break the record because <laughs> they want to be the only ones that break it? Or are they okay with the Dolphins being the ones to go ahead and share that undefeated record possibly? Go ahead, Jason. I thought about this if this ever happened. <laughs> okay. I think if it does happen to the point where they if Mercury if, if Mercury Morris starts to get get wind of it, if if 12 and 0, 13, 15, mm -hmm. he's gonna want them to get to the Super Bowl. And then he's gonna say, We're not popping a glass when you lose. We're popping when you join us at the club. Mm. So you think I agree. So? I agree because for me, it's it's all right. If, it in the family, same, if the same correct, if the same team goes undefeated, correct. But, Danny, you're talking about undefeated and then undefeated the whole way through. Right. That's it's it's a whole nother game now. Because the if you remember, sorry, Manny, I'm really sorry. No, no, like, go ahead. The Patriots undefeated regular season. The coolest cucumber in the room. 
as Mercury Morris. Yeah. If you watch the entire thing, even at the Super Bowl, it's like, I think the line was, don't let me know when you're in my neighborhood. Let me know when you're at my doorstep. And they were there and they never knocked on the door because they lost. So yep. it was cool. I, I agree. I, I think that I think the Dolphins old heads would be perfectly fine if this perfectly. Miami Dolphins team would go undefeated. I don't see it happening. I don't think Jason does either. No. I don't want to speak for you, Jason. But I for know. me, it's Jason 17 whole regular season games <laughs> right, alone now. Right, right. Realistically, Jason, no, I can't see it. Yeah. No, no. Real quick before we head out, Jason. I I I looked at Buffalo not as a a stepping stone as oh, this is gonna be our our game where we're like we really know what we have. I still don't see it that way because, yeah, it's a divisional game. I expected a tough matchup, but for me, it's always going to – for me, it was always when we go up against Philadelphia in October, Sunday night football in Philly. When we play that defense and we play Jalen Hurts, I felt like for me, that was going to be the, the right barometer of where this Dolphin team is. Is that kind of for you when you looked at it from the outside in? I mean, look, the first step in really the barometer is can they beat the Bills in the division on the For road? sure. Hundred percent, because they're they're, they're technically they, the kings of the division right now. Correct. So then you start to you, you start to divert to the kings of of the AFC and almost the NFL. And can you go to Germany on a travel scenario and and beat Mahomes? And that also includes right. Travis Kelsey. Jokes aside about the, uh, the nonsense going right. on in the world about Travis right. Kelsey, right. it's still the right. second or the third best tight end, if not the when it's all said and done. And the other one was yeah. a Kansas City Chief, Tony Gonzalez. So. Dolphins have trouble with tight end. So if they beat the Bills, they take care of business through and to and can take care of business against the Chiefs, then, Danny, it's real. Then we're talking, oh, my God, this is real. But nothing right. is real in the conversation with a loss that is on the road to Buffalo. It's just, all right, whatever. They lost to the Buffalo. So they're going to make the playoffs, not have home field advantage, and lose to Buffalo. We've seen this before. Right. So if you right. go and beat Buffalo, everything, anything's possible. Kevin Garnett, <laughs> you know? You uh, Richard Greenberg, the, the, the line is plus three for the Dolphins, by the way. It went up. Plus three, three for the Dolphins. Yeah. So it, it, really? on, FanDuel, they, on FanDuel, they have it at three, and I believe – um, Sport, uh, sports kings or whatever it is, it, they have it at two and a half. So it's it's ranging mm. between those two. I, I I think the spread is what it is that they're giving them those two and a half or they give them three points just because they're at home. Like Danny said at the beginning of the show, if, if it was down here Agreed. in Miami, I think I think it would be three points our way. Um, yeah, but nonetheless, yeah, I that's how it goes. You, I think you get spotted three points just for being the home team, basically. Pretty that's much. That's the reason that's I the chose rule. the Chargers Week One. I chose the Chargers. If you're a home like, dog in the NFL, good. you're bad. Yeah. Like if you're a home dog in the NFL, you're bad. It's not like college. Yeah. Or the or the New York Jets or the New York Jets when they face yeah, the New England Patriots. They're, they're, tar- they're terrible. But yeah, but, not who's on the but nonetheless, terrible. Jason, <laughs> let, let's get it going here because again, it, it was a pleasure to finally meet you in person. Because obviously we've been going oh, back and forth awesome, on dude. Twitter over the past off season, so it was finally great to meet you in person. Shout out and uh, you know a big shout out to the man himself that is not able to be around us, the mayor. That's initially where we where we ran into each other for the the vigil that they had for the mayor down in Fort Lauderdale. Um, that that was a great gathering of Dolphin fans as well. Like that was amazing, and it the the tailgate experience was great, but you could tell the mayor was missing because that guy was the epitome of the nucleus of that tailgate. It's like if you didn't have a shot in your hand, don't worry about it. The mayor is going to find a way to put a shot in your hand. So not having him around. You could definitely feel it, but I think those 70 points, man, 
this guy was jumping up and down in heaven, just very excited to have that show. But nonetheless, for you to come on here the same exact week after traveling 900 miles back home, um, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart that you came in and showed the uh, Batterfin fans some love. Listen, I love chopping it up with passionate fans and passionate podcasters. Danny, Manny, I love you guys. Thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. No, Danny, lead us out. Time. Danny, lead us appreciate, out, my brother. Appreciate you taking the time. If you guys are listening on audio, thank you for listening all the way to the end. Please leave a comment, uh, five stars, all that other good stuff. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching all the way to the end. Please like and subscribe. And for those of you that participated in the chat, which not many today did because uh, – I don't know. People watching the Marlins, you know, so it's, it's a crucial game against the Mets. Go ahead. Right. All good. I, I I would have been watching also, but I wanted to be here with you guys. Uh, we appreciate Love you guys taking the time the to join us, and uh, we uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Uh, Post game yes, Sunday, right? There we Post go. Post game so, Sunday. We'll see you guys. Yep. See you guys then. Peace. Fins up, ladies. <laughs>